This episode is brought to you by Pooptronic Cellular, the galaxy's leader in outer space mobile service. Welcome to the Pooptronic Cellular Half Hour Pop Culture Podcast, recorded live at Pooptronic Cellular Moonbase Alpha, featuring your host, employee 23538 Gamma, IC Robots. Greetings, Earth people! I am from Jupiter, it is me again, IC Robots! I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less week, and this week I think it's going to get a lot less week, because we got a ton of fun stuff ahead of us. We are going to talk about a local, uh... Local Comic-Con controversy, we are going to talk about some more flea market stuff, then we are going to move on to the main event, where it is Who's Who in the DC Universe. This week it's all about Jonah Hex, the western hero who was also recently on uh, the CW's Legends of Tomorrow. Also, our dudes uh, Iceberg and AB Silver are not even here, they um, they went to see Hamilton last week in NYC and they have not yet returned, it's great. I did, uh, I did just get an email from Iceberg, and he says he's gonna try to make it by the end of the show, but, uh, I don't know, I haven't seen him here at the station all week, I've been doing the vents, I've been doing everything by myself, so I don't have a lot of hope that he will make it, but, I don't know, I guess I'm hoping that he doesn't make it, but you never know, you just never know when it comes to him in AB Silver. So, uh, with all that said, let's get moving into the show. is the Pooptronic Cellular Half Hour Pop Culture Podcast. Nobody moves, nobody gets hurt. Alright, we are back in the show. This segment, I was going to talk about a new show, a new comic con that uh, started up here in town called the Wine Country Comic Con. They had given me press passes to go, and I was supposed to pick the passes up at the door, and then when I got there, I'm just like, hey, it's me, I see robots, I'm here to get my passes, I want to check out the show. They, uh... They said there were no passes for me, and when I asked if they could call the dude who promoted the show, they were like, we don't know who that is, he's not here. Um, it was a really mean lady, like an older lady, really mean, didn't want to get up out of her chair and help me out, so I was not able to get into the show. It was like 35 bucks to get in, and I did not want to pay that. I had no idea that uh, my passes wouldn't be there. I was, well, to be honest with you, when somebody says they're going to leave you a ticket at the door, you have to imagine it's not really a high priority for them to get that ticket there. It's just another thing to do on their list. And a lot of times it goes by the wayside, but usually if you get a hold of the dude, they will, um, they will come and make it right, but, uh, she wouldn't go get the dude who's inside the show, I, I, for whatever reason, I didn't have my phone with me, so we went down there and we just, we left, we went back home. I did, uh, I did peek in the window for a minute, and sadly, the show, uh, it was a bit dinky, and it might have been fun, but it was not worth $35, but it was a charity event, so in that sense, you know, it's okay, but, uh, at one time, this was going to be a really big show. The guy had a lot of guests. He had Ewoks, and he had a Power Ranger reunion, but um, he got attacked by, and I have no evidence of this, but I believe it was somebody who runs another uh, convention here in town. 
sort of attacked him on the down low, and he really did put this guy's show to rest. At one time, it was going to be what I thought was a fairly good deal, but after a bunch of, uh... After a bunch of attacks, it was like, dude, his show got canceled, more or less. All the guests pulled out. What they attacked him on was, at first when he came around, he said that the show was going to be for an autism charity. They contacted the autism charity, and they did not know anything about the show. It turns out that the charity was actually going to be for the uh, Lions Club, and that he was going to use the money for their building fund to build some building for people with autism. And then he was going to team up with the autistic uh, charity. I don't know if that's all true. I don't know anything. All I know is for a while, it was a very controversial topic. People were pulling out left and right. There were uh, Facebook accounts made attacking this guy's show. And I do feel bad for him because I do think that the guy might be a bit of a goof. But I don't think that his heart was in the wrong place. I think that... He just didn't have all of his ducks in a row, and when it came time for him to put the show on, uh, it just, it kind of, it fell apart, and there were people working against him, and it, uh, overall, to me, it's a sad state of affairs. I don't really want to get into it too deeply, because I feel like this could be, like, a really long topic, and I don't want to get into it too deeply. I just kind of want to be, like, touch and go on it, I guess. Still, though, it was pretty weird. I had been communicating with the guy who was promoting the show. His name is Uriel Brenna. He and I had been communicating in, like, public Facebook groups. And then I got I got contacted by one of the people who was against the show. I don't want to name her name. But she contacted me on uh, private messages on Facebook. And she wanted to know if I had any dirt on Uriel Brenna. Like, what sort of, what sort of things he and I had been talking about. Whether we had had private conversations. Whether I had verification about some people he said he was going to be getting as a guest. Just... All sorts of stuff. And it was really weird because I started to doubt this person's identity. Uh, she kind of came out of nowhere. And the only references I could find for this person on the internet were in regards to trying to shut down the Wine Country Comic Con look. I don't know whether this guy, Uriel Brenna, is a crook. I don't know whether he's a creep. I know nothing. I just know that he was trying to put on a comic show and that I don't believe there is any... Uh, any kind of level of morality you should have to put on a comic show. I mean, he said he was going to do it for charity. Maybe he was going to be mixed up as to what charity was going for, but the money was eventually going to go to the Lions Club, and that's a good thing, I guess. So, overall, he's not a crook as much as I believe he is disorganized. And it was very weird for me to start getting these messages from this this person on Facebook. She was really, really persistent for a while. Um... She has gone out of her way to really shut down this show. She got a lot of the guests to pull out. She was, um, in contact with people. I don't know. It's all very weird, and I don't even really feel comfortable talking about it. And I'm not going to name names, because I do not know the truth behind anything. But at the time it was going on, I felt, I felt, I felt very strange. I felt like I might possibly be being manipulated by this person. I think that maybe I was, uh... This person was attempting to manipulate me, trying to get me to say things that may or may not be true. I don't know. The whole thing is very weird. It's just, I, it, it was like, it was like the local convention scene was mobbed up. It was like this one guy who already had the existing show felt like he had the territory. And if somebody else was going to try to run a show, he was going to shut it down. And I, I definitely definitely can understand how you would feel that way. It's like you've put in a lot of work to putting on a real fun show. And you don't want somebody horning in on your actions. I I dig it. I dig it. And I can't say that I would not be operating in the same way. But at the same time, 
There's always room, I believe, for another convention. I really do think that. I think that if you put one on, people will come, people will, uh, people will have a good time, and it's not as if their good time means they're not gonna go to your show. I really do believe that people will go to both, especially when you're in a mid-sized town like we are in. There aren't, uh, there aren't, like, geeky events every weekend, so when there is one, you will go, and it's just, it's not like you have a convention budget. You're like, I only have 35 bucks for the year to spend on conventions, and if I spend it at the Wine Country Comic Con, I won't spend it at the Santa Rosa Toy Con. I think people will go to both, but at the same time, I, I dig it, man. You're trying to establish a business, but... I do kind of have my suspicions that there might have been some kind of underhanded dealings going on here, but I have no proof of that. And this is probably all very boring to you, and I apologize. Let's try to talk about something else for a minute. Um, I went to the flea market. I sold at the flea market the other week, uh, and I did I did talk about this. But there was one thing I wanted to talk about that uh, was interesting to me. Um, I always bring a lot of VHS tapes because I am always buying tapes when I'm at the dig. If I see a cool tape go by, I can't pass it up. I just, I can't. I don't want it to go in the garbage. So I buy them and I bring them home and I kind of put them in boxes and I take them to the flea market and nobody ever buys any. I mean that. I mean, it's like literally we have probably never sold a tape, but I still bring them just in hopes that somebody will want one. But this week when we went, I kind of had a new way to do it. I took them and I put them all out in the bed of the virtual dirt mall mobile of our uh, big truck. I laid them all out in the bed of the truck kind of sideways so you can see see the uh, words along the spine. And we sold a ton of them. We sold, I'm not even kidding, like 30, 35 tapes, which, you know, might not sound like a lot, but it is a fair amount of VHS to sell. One of the dudes I sold them to, he bought a big stack. He was taking pictures of all the tapes. I thought he was, you know, eBaying them to see if any of them were valuable, which I have no problem with that. But um, it turns out when I talked to him, when he came up with a giant stack, uh, he said that he has a friend who lives in Minnesota and he runs a combination of thrift store, video store, and that he uh, he's always on the lookout for new tapes to rent and he wanted a ton of the ones we had. And uh, I think that's really great. I, uh, like... My dream would be to run a thrift store slash video store. I think that would be so great. Just having a store where I sold, you know, thrifty, cool used stuff. And I also rented VHS tapes to people. And I realized this is just the weirdest thing and that it would never happen because nobody wants to rent VHS. You can get them for a dollar at the flea market. But I think that it would be fun. And when this guy told me that his friend had a thrift slash video store, I was like, man, Somebody out there is living the dream. This dude is making it work. And I was just like, man, more power to you. And I was so happy to see some of my tapes go and enter into his video rental library. He uh, mostly bought horror movies, Friday the 13th, you know, Chucky movies, stuff like that. Which, uh, that tends to be what people like on VHS. Horror. Horror. But, uh, it's cool, man. Uh... If you happen to live in the Minnesota area and you have some kind of an idea about what this store is, reach out to your boy at Icy Robots on Twitter or backslash Icy Robots on uh, Facebook. That's Facebook.com backslash Icy Robots. Reach out to your boy. If you know about this store, I want to check it out. Go take some pictures for me. But um, anyway, we sold a bunch of VHS tapes. You know what else? We sold music tapes, cassettes cassettes. We pick them up at the dig all the time. They're practically free. We put them in cases. We have a whole table dedicated just to tapes. And we had a guy come by, and I'm not even kidding. He bought five tape cases full of tapes. He just, 
He's like, I want all these. He's like, I have an old car. I only have a tape deck. I need some more tapes. Nobody ever sells tapes. What do you take for these? And I'm like, I don't know, man. 40 bucks. So I sold him a bunch of tapes. He got like almost our whole inventory. But it's cool, man, dude. It's going to be riding around bumping my uh, ZZ Top tapes, my Pink Floyd tapes. Tapes are... Tapes are something I enjoy. I do enjoy the magnetic tape. I don't know, man. It's just kind of kind of an old habit I can't get out of, I guess. But uh, I was happy to see that there are other fools out there who also have this habit. But we are running long. We've got to get going to uh, At The Movies. In a moment, At The Movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? December 21st, 1970, Nixon met with Elvis at the White House. Mr. President, Mr. Elvis Presley. Officially, they had a brief conversation. When you and me, we rose from nothing. But look where I am today, look where you are. And then took this photo. The unofficial story is batch insane. I would like to go undercover as a federal agent. I'm sorry, you want to what? Elvis and Nixon. (laughs) What the good God is going on? Rated R. Elvis versus Nixon is currently sitting at about 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. It stars Kevin Spacey as Nixon and Michael Shannon as Elvis, I gotta say right off the bat. Michael Shannon has a fantastic take on Elvis. This dude is one of the best actors around today. The movie is fun. I really, really did enjoy it. It's short. It's only about an hour and a half, and it is about a meeting between Elvis Presley and the then-president Richard Nixon. In the meeting... Elvis is hoping to be made a secret police. He says he can go underground and get in there and help to uh, find drug dealers and whatever. The movie, the movie's really fun. It's short, which I like too. It's just, it's about the meeting and then it just, it ends. It's great. Uh, The movie also stars Johnny Knoxville as a member of the Memphis Mafia. That's Elvis's crew. Elvis's posse. Colin Hanks is in it as one of Nixon's aides. Also, Evan Peters, who you might know as uh, Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. He's in it. Uh, The movie's well acted. It's a lot of fun. It just jumps in there and it gets going. The main event would have to be just the interplay between Elvis and Nixon. Just seeing how Elvis charms Nixon into getting what he wants. I really did enjoy this movie. Now, I gotta be short. I'm trying to cut a bit of time, so I'm not gonna do as big of a review as I do sometimes, but, um, I would recommend it. Now, you don't have to go and see this at the theater, but... I would recommend seeing it just just for uh just for seeing Michael Shannon as Elvis. He really he really nails it. And I'd have to say it's not like a casting decision you would make necessarily. I don't know if they're like who should play Elvis in the movie. If you go, "Oh, Michael Shannon." But once you hear it and once you see it, it absolutely works. This movie gets a big thumbs up from your boy IC Robots. I'm going to give it like three and a half, three and three quarter mics on the source meter. It's good. Not an all time classic, but definitely worth checking out. And considering it's only like an hour and a half, what do you got to lose? When it comes out on VHS, hop on over to the store and give it a rent. ISR approved. Up next, what's sure to be an awesome segment, Who's Who in the DC Comics Universe. You're welcome in advance. All right, my dudes, we are back. And right now we are going to talk on one of my favorite characters of all the times, DC's Western hero, 
well, you might call him a DC uh, anti-hero, but he is one of my favorites. His name is Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex recently made his TV debut on episode number 11 of the uh, CW show Legends of Tomorrow. The episode was titled The uh, Magnificent Eight. That always makes me think of The Hateful Eight more than it does The Magnificent Seven. But at any rate, Jonah Hex was played by Jonathan Shake. I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's a bunch of uh, letters all stuck together, but you might know him as... The dude from that movie, That Thing You Do, who, uh, he was the sort of snotty, sort of uppity former leader of the band who eventually goes off on his own and forms the Herdman. He was played, Herdsman. He was played by that guy. Jonah had DC Western hero. Now, I am not a giant fan of Westerns at the movies. I do like them. I do like them, but I would not call myself an expert on the genre. But what I do really enjoy is Western comics. I... I love a comic book tale of the Old West. Some of you might be familiar with Jonah Hex, some of you might not. He is not the smallest character in the world, but he's not the biggest either. You may have seen the movie uh, they made about him starring Josh Brolin and I believe Megan Fox. The movie was not very good, and it was not a very good adaptation of Jonah Hex. I believe in it he had like the power to raise the dead or something like that. But in real life, well, in, in the real life comics, Jonah Hex doesn't have any powers outside of uh, a great shot. He's a great shot and he can also fight. He can ride a horse. He can track. He can do all that kind of stuff that uh, Western guys are known for. To stay alive in the Old West, you got to be able to do all those things. You got to be able to fight. You got to be able to shoot a gun. You got to be able to ride a horse. You got to be able to track. You got to be able to avoid the uh, Indians. You got to know how to, uh, did I already say shoot? You got to know how to punch a cow. Is that what they call it when you, like, rope a cow? I don't even know. Is there any, like, real punching involved? You might have to punch the cow to get it to the ground so that you can tie its feet together. I would not be surprised if that was the case. Anyhow, Jonah Hex was a master of all these kind of things. He was a bounty hunter. A former Civil War soldier. He fought on the side of the Confederacy. If you saw the episode, you know that because he's wearing the gray not the blue uh, uniform in the uh, Legends of Tomorrow. But let's take a more in-depth look at our boy Jonah Hex. Now, what I like to do with this is I get all my information off DC's seminal comic series known as Who's Who in the DC Universe, the definitive directory of the DC Universe. And this one here is January 1986. And it goes from Icicle, all the way to Johnny Thunder, and then on page 31 and 32, you get to find Jonah Hex. So, let's take a look at what we got here. His full name is Jonah Woodson Hex. His occupation is a bounty hunter. He's a former soldier as well as a former uh, farmer. He is married but separated. He has a few known relatives, Woodson, his father, blah, 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 blah. He is not affiliated with any group and his base of operations is the late 19th century. Like all of it. It's all his. He first appeared in All-Star Western Tales number 10 that came out in 1972. He is 5 foot 11, weighs 190 pounds, has blue eyes, and reddish blonde hair. He's a nice uh, strawberry blonde. The character of Jonah Hex was invented by John Albano and Tony Delzinga. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it either. I am horrible with names, so if one of you two happens to be listening, I meant that as no disrespect. I have ultimate respect for you for creating such a cool character as Jonah Hicks. Let's get a bit more into the bio. Jonah Hicks was born in 1838. 
He was the son of a, a brutal drunkard named Woodson, and after a while, his mom could stand no more of the abuse, and she left. She left poor Jonah all alone. That's really sad, I would think. You know, you really always would hope that your mother cares for you, and while you don't want to see her abused, you would hope that if she escaped, she might take you with her. But sadly, for good old Jonah, she did not. So Jonah had to stay with Woodson, who was a horrible man. He beat him, he abused him. But in 1851, the two of them packed up their stuff and headed out to California uh, to follow the gold rush. Here's where things start to go from bad to worse for Jonah. His father traded him, he traded his son to the Apaches for a uh, pile of pelts. And uh, he did promise he would return to get Jonah, but he never did. So Jonah lived out that period of his life as a slave to the Apaches. It was horrible. They were mean to him. They were abusive to him. They tortured him. They tormented him. But one day, the chief's son was in danger. He was in some kind of a trouble, and Jonah saved him. He went out of his way, risked his life, and he saved the chief's son. And the chief, you know, he wanted to reward him. He was just, you know, Jonah, you didn't have to do that. We've been horrible to you. You could have just let my son fall off a cliff or whatever it was. But instead, you did the right thing. You have the true heart of an Apache. And he allowed Jonah to join the tribe. And he did stay with them for a while. He became an Apache. For the first time in his life, he had acceptance. He rode with them. He hunted with them. He fought with them. And everything really did seem like they were on the uptake for Jonah when he got to the point he was about to achieve manhood. He was, uh, I, you know, in our culture, it's 18. I don't know what it is for them. But what you had to do to be uh, a full-grown warrior in the tribe was, you had to go with on a raiding mission and steal some horses. During the course of the mission, the chief's son, who was jealous and a bit hateful of Jonah, he didn't like how, he didn't like it how this pale face got to join the tribe. He did not, he did not agree with it. He was probably a bit resentful that he owed his life to a former slave. So during the mission, he cracked Jonah on the head with a tomahawk and left him for dead. He, I don't know why he didn't finish the job. You know, he probably should have. He seems like a horrible, evil person, and I don't know why he wouldn't just, you know, chop off Jonah's head and be done with it. But he left him dead there. And he told the chief, hey man, Jonah was a coward. During the fight, he boned out. He, We were trying to get the horses. We were trying to do the things. We had to fight. We had to fight. Jonah was a coward, and he left. He took off, no longer wanting to be part of the tribe. So Jonah laid there where they left him, all murked, all hurt, just wounded, bleeding out. Now you gotta think about the Old West, man. There was no such thing as ice. I mean, they knew it existed, but there was none unless it was winter. I think about that sometimes. If you got a bump or you got a bruise, uh, you know, there would be nothing cold that you could put on your head. Now maybe you could put like a bottle and some water in the creek and get it cold enough for your head, but you can't just go grab an ice pack. So anyhow... He's uh, just laying there hurt when he gets discovered by a trapper, a grizzled old mountain man who takes him back to his cabin and nurses him back to health. This takes, it takes a while. I imagine that uh, good old Jonah had a fractured skull. You know, he could see all the way down to his brain. You could see the white. You could see the meat. But anyhow, it took him a while to recover, but eventually he did. And the first thing that he wanted to do was go back and find his old tribe and try to explain what happened. But when he went back, they were gone. They were like a nomadic people, and they had moved on, leaving Jonah Hex once again alone. Let's take, 
let's take a quick pause and check out a bit of a uh, interlude here, a bit of a uh, commercial of sorts. We are going to hear Jonah Hex on the Legends of Tomorrow. I videotaped it. We can check it out right now. Let me just uh, push the tape in. A long story which we will not be telling. My code suits you good. What are you doing here, Jonah? We're collecting on a bounty. Wetting my whistle. When your friends here got in a lot of trouble. One of them poured lead into a member of the Stillwater gang. Brought this town a whole lot of hell in the bargain. Those boys you were trading hands with in the saloon, they all members of the Stillwater gang. Jeb Stillwater and his friends raiding this town for the past three months. Stealing, robbing, killing. DC's Legends of Tomorrow. All new this Thursday at 8, 7 central on The CW. Yogi Duck, so we are back and we are uh, a bit crunched for time. The show is running long. There's just a lot to be said about Jonah Hex. So after all this, dude was still, uh, he was looking for a place for himself in the world. So he went and he joined the Confederate Army. But after a while of being there, he came to the conclusion that he could not fight on the side that was all about keeping slaves because he himself had been a slave and he did not wish that upon anybody. So he went and he took himself and turned him in turned himself in to the uh, Union forces that were cordoned nearby. Now, they wanted Hex to give up the rest of his dudes, but he wasn't about to do that. But they took some evidence he had on him, I believe it was. They saw the clay that was on his horse hooves and on his boots, and they figured out where they were, and they went there, and they massacred them, but not before giving up the dirt that... Jonah told him where they were. So now, now he's a pariah. Jonah Hex's story is a tragedy. Everything that happens to him seems to be bad. So now he, uh, he's serving time in a Union prison as a Confederate soldier. And when he gets out, he manages to find his tribe. He found him. So he goes to them and he's like, look, look, you guys, I was not a coward. I didn't, I, you know, I was hornswoggled. And the chief wants to believe Jonah. He does because he knows he's a nice guy. So he sets up a trial by combat between him and his son, the dude who claimed that Jonah had betrayed them. But this evil dude, the chief's crooked son, takes the tomahawks that they were going to fight with. It's a tomahawk fight that's going to settle the differences. And he, uh, he unloosens, he loosens the straps on Jonah's tomahawk. So as the fight starts, the blade falls off and the other guy wins. So that means that in the eyes of the tribe that Jonah was not only a coward, he's also a liar. And the chief has no choice but to give him the ceremonial marks of a liar. And he burns and he scars one half of Jonah's face. Now... Now you know the origin of those hideous scars he was given to them by by uh, a man he looked upon as a father, as a mark of betrayal. And it's horrible, man. When you see his face, it's disgusting. I feel so bad for Jonah Hex that all these things have happened to him over the course of his life. And now he's just trying to find a place to belong. And what happens? His, uh, his father figure takes his face and mutilates it. Disgustingly. And horribly, and also for life. Now, nobody's life is all bad. You know, we all have bad turns, and some of us have worse turns than others. And Jonah Hex has had just about as many bad turns as you can have. But he did he did have some fine things happen to him. And one of these things was he found love. He found love with a, uh, a Chinese immigrant woman. And 
she convinced him, you know, to give up this, uh, this life you lead as a gunslinger, just come settle down and be with me. And he did. He, he, he moved into a cabin with her and they were in love. They were married. They had a great time and they had a child, but circumstances kept forcing Hex to bring out his weapons. He had to keep bringing out the iron, keep having to fight off dudes and whatever, but she could take no more of this. And then one day while he was off on some sort of a bounty hunting mission, she left. She left him, took their son, and moved on. So, once again, Hex is abandoned. So, he had no choice but to go back to the life that he led before as a bounty hunter, as a killer. And this is where it gets weird. At some point during Hex's story, he gets transported into the future. The details of this are hazy, but he gets grabbed and drug into the far apocalyptic future of a world that is very much like Mad Max. And while there, he, uh, he changes his name just to Hex. He becomes Hex. They made a comic, I think it lasted like 18 episodes of the Mad Max-like Hex. Uh, I thought it was cool, I thought it was fun, and I would not be surprised if someday on Legends of Tomorrow, they did a mission where they go to the future, and there is Hex. There he is, the man they had previously met in the Old West. But... This didn't last forever. Eventually, he was transported back to the Old West, and he was killed under some kind of unknown circumstances, and his body was taken, stuffed, and put on display in some kind of a traveling Old West show, showing him none of the respect he would deserve as a great gunslinger. But I guess, I think maybe we would be looking at Hex with a sympathetic eye, but in reality, he was probably just kind of kind of a known murderer, known scallywag, and people felt like maybe this was what he deserved. I don't think he does. I don't think anyone deserves to be put on display that way, but that is what happened to Hex. He was just traveling around, a stuffed, mounted dude, just, just, ah, the perfect end to a perfectly bad life. Jonah Hex, you are a fantastic character, and you did not deserve that at all. So There you go, my dudes, and you know just about as much as you would ever want to know about Jonah Hex. So we are going to move into the final segment of the show, known as the Toys R... Oops. I mean, the, uh, Pooptronics Cellular, uh, Toy and Pop Culture Moment. I am not really sure what it, they want me to call it, but it's something of that sort. We are going to move into it right now. Here we go. Please drop by supportthereport.com and consider becoming a show patron for as low as a measly dollar a month. It's the right thing to do. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment. The Pooptronic Cellular Pop Culture Slash Toy News Informational Moment. All right, we are back for the final segment of the show. And right now is it's very important to consider becoming a show patron. Go on over to supportthereport.com because right now as we speak, I am working on a very special episode that will be available only for those who are patrons of the Toys R Us Report. It is going to be all about my time working at Qzar. The Laser Tag Arena. There are a ton of fun stories. There's stories about when I met Lars Ulrich from Metallica. Stories about when I met R. Crumb. I played Laser Tag with R. Crumb, the famous underground artist. This is going to be an all-time great episode, and you want to be there. Also, I used to do another show back in the day called IC Robots Radio. It was a hip-hop mixtape show. There was other kind of music, too. It's just 
a music mixtape show. I did it for years. I did just about 40 episodes, and I have been uploading an episode a week available only to patrons. Each one's about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes more, of great tunes that you can, you know, you could rock out to. So that's up there. Also, Iceberg13 got his start on that show, so you can see the origins of the man that we all love to hate, and it will be only available to those who are patrons. You can give a uh, a small a donation as a buck. A buck a month will get you the special QZAR episode, and will also get you the back episodes of IC Robots Radio. It's well worth it, I think. Ask anybody. Ask anybody who is a patron, and they will tell you that it is worth it. Also, right now, I am working on a uh, a new show that will only be available to patrons. It's a secret show right now at this moment, but I'm going to try to upload maybe two of those a month. I'm going to start out with one, then maybe two, and they will be available only to people who uh, belong to the Support the Report Gold Key Level Membership Club. So now is the perfect time to hop on over, dude. It is, there's never, you know, there's never been a better time than now, honestly, so why not just uh, support the report.com as low as a buck a month, but I will take as much as you have, um, so, let's see what's going on right now in the, uh, world of pop culture and whatnot, hold on, is that the phone, I think I forgot to turn the phone on, hold on, I'm gonna let it go to, uh, to the answering machine, hold on, let's hear, let's hear what it is. robots are you there please pick up not a chance hold on what you have to say if you are there please pick up okay so me and iceberg are still in new york we saw hamilton it was great we have been given premium tickets to see the yankees play baseball against the cowboys i think that is who it is i don't follow american sports you will need to do the show without us. I understand that it will be difficult, but I believe you can do it. Oh, also, we went to the premiere of Captain America Civil War. What? 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 I thought that it was fairly stupid, but I believe it will appeal to middle America. They are quite unsophisticated and should enjoy all the fighting and superhero action sequences. It was not my cup of tea, but I do believe that you will enjoy it. At any rate we have to go. Why do I get such bad phone service here on Earth? Please remember to mention our latest web series. It is called Ain't Life the Pits. It stars Joey Tata as Nat. It is the further adventures of the owner of the Peach Pit from Beverly Hills 90210. He is a bounty hunter now. Farewell I see robots. We will see you soon. Iceberg says to say hi. That's, uh, you know, that, that's like, a, that's a mix of good news and bad news. The good news is that they're not going to be here by the end of the show. That's really good. Uh, but, uh, the bad news is that Iceberg 13 got to see Civil War before I did, and he doesn't even, he doesn't enjoy movies. He doesn't like superheroes. He hates Captain America. He hates Iron Man. He thinks Iron Man's a fake robot and he can't stand him. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 
I gotta be real with you guys. That web show sounds alright. Ain't Life the Pit starring Joey Tata as uh, Nat, the owner of the Peach Pit, who's now a bounty hunter. That sounds good, man. I wonder if the restaurant, you know, they're in some kind of like financial troubles and Nat has to uh, pick up a second job as a bounty hunter to pull in some uh, greenbacks. Anyway, man, we're running pretty tight on time as it is, so... I think I'm just going to call it a day, call it a night, get out of here, uh, head out uh, into the sunset like Jonah Hex on a horse. At any rate, man, make sure to check us out at supportthereport.com. That's our Patreon. We got a new show coming that's going to be exclusively for patrons, so you want to get down with that. Um, Supportthereport.com. So, this is me, Icy Robots. I'm signing off. This is episode number 77. If you don't know, now you know. Recorded live on the Pooptronics Cellular Moon Base Alpha, this has been a Pooptronics Cellular Broadcast Division production.